Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Of course, the big concern today is not only around children, but of course the latest news about a new variant, uh, which is a big concern for everybody who thought, I suppose, we thought we were at a point from October the 22nd, I suppose, where everything was being lifted, we were moving on, life was going to change, we were getting back to some level of normalcy again, but it certainly doesn't seem to be the case. For a lot of people today waking up, it seems like we're back in March 2020. To talk to me a little bit more about it is Professor Jack Lambert, UCD School, from the UCD School of Medicine. Good afternoon to you, Jack. Yeah, good afternoon. Uh, Jack, look, the South African variant, or whatever variant, whatever they're going to name this one, I don't know if they've identified or given it a name yet, has been identified in Israel and Hong Kong. It seems to be less than 100 cases so far. Is it an overreaction to suggest, you know, back to hotel mandatory mandatory hotel quarantine, which has already been suggested by the Justice Minister, uh, and to to get panicked again about it? Well, no, absolutely, we shouldn't be panicked. Look, I've been likening... COVID-19 to flu, you know, for, for it's, it comes with us every year. Flu mutates every year. We have to come up with new vaccines every year to kind of take care of the mutant viruses. And, and you know, that, that this is the way COVID is going to be moving forward. And every week there's going to be viruses mutating. And some of those are viruses are mutating and becoming less harmful. And some of them are going to become more powerful. Uh, and if they're more powerful, they'll take over from the Delta variant. The issue is, is they, the, the vaccines that we have may not be 100% protective. So in parallel, we, we need to be developing new vaccines, you know, booster vaccines that cover the new variants as well. So we, we need to have a plan moving forward. But can not, we keep chasing the tail all the time? Because yeah, this new, vari- this new yeah. mutation seemingly has 50 different variations, which they believe is quite even more dangerous or more transmissible than the Delta variant. So is it possible to keep chasing it all the time? Well, that's what we do with flu every year. So yes, yes, it is. It is. We have the technology to do it. So, and then, you know, this, this let's, you know, to have the minister kind of say, oh, we're going to close down the country to stop people coming from South Africa or Botswana. Come on, that hasn't worked for the last two years, right? Mm-hmm. We said we're going to, let's stop the, the UK variant too late. It's already here. Let's stop the Delta variant too late. It's already here. It's already here. It's already in Israel. It's probably already, you know, in lots of European countries. And if it's more powerful, it's going to survival of the fittest. It's going to take over from the Delta variant. Um, we just we just need to continue to have a plan moving forward. Uh, uh, it seems like our only plan is lockdown, limit travel, um, you know, and, and this whole idea, I think, moving into the autumn of, you know, telling the Irish population that come November when we get 90% vaccinations, we'll be, you know, throwing caution to the wind and everything will be back to normal. That's a message coming from government in NEFA, I think, that is a wrong message. And, and most of us who where scientists and virologists knew that was the wrong message. But was, um, was the message not at one point, if we go back to, say, when the vaccines came out first, back to last February, let's say, and, of course, the vaccine were being mooted as some sort of silver bullet. And, yes, I, I think most scientists will admit, particularly, say, the likes of Luke O'Neill, who mentioned that in February this vaccine was going to be 100% effective against infection of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. It turns out it wasn't, right? We see as mm-hmm. many unvaccinated and vaccinated people in hospital. We're seeing vaccinated people dying. We're seeing vaccinated people still getting yeah. infected. So has the vaccine vaccination, and I'm not saying it has been a failure by any stretch of the imagination, but it wasn't as successful maybe as they thought it was initially. Would that be the case? 
Not necessarily. I mean, every year we do the flu vaccine, and the flu vaccine is between 30 and 70 percent effective. So, so to, to say that you know that was going to be 95 percent effective, I think was a was a misunderstanding. But uh, you know, we we if you look at other countries that have rolled out vaccinations, the and, and have kept statistics and the number of people ending up in the hospital and ending up in the ICU has decreased tenfold. So, so it doesn't totally eliminate people getting sick and people, um, you know, transmitting the virus, but we're in a much better place than we were, you know, in April, you know, 2020. We have vaccines that are partially protecting, are impacting on people getting sick. Um, but we did know back in July from Israel that the antibody levels were dropping and people mm. were having new waves again. So we, we you know, I knew that. Uh, we, we should have known that. We should have been planning booster vaccines back in June, July, not wait till October to say, get an opinion from NIAC. We should have ever, all of our ducks in a row, you know, ahead of time. So this is the proactive approach. We keep on reacting to numbers. We, yeah, what, what we're doing is a reactive approach at the moment, which yeah, is reacting exactly. to a problem every single time. Now, the chief executive right. of the HSC has warned that resources to expand capacity for COVID-19 testing are not infinite as the demand for testing has gone up. Now, we've tested in the last week 210,000 people, which is a record number of people. Would mm-hmm. it be fair to say, or is it disingenuous to suggest, that the more people you test, the more cases you're going to find? Because there was always that suggestion that there are thousands of people out there who were infected with COVID, don't even know it, never went for a test, maybe, you know, six months ago when numbers were lower. So in other words, the more we test, well, of course, we're going to find more cases of COVID-19. Most will be asymptomatic. But is it advisable then to continue mass testing? Or would it be more advisable to do what some states, maybe in America, are doing or some places are doing and only testing people who actually have symptoms? Yeah, I, I, I agree with this. So I, I do think as a rule, you should just be testing people with symptoms, but there's lots of different ways to test people. There's, you know, we've had this argument before. There's PCR tests, there's antigen tests. If antigen tests are done properly, they have, they have really important value and they've been used successfully in other countries. You know, our government has, you know, has likened antigen tests to, you know, to snake oil. And, and, and this is, you know, and, and I, I'm a laboratory specialist. I've done work in antigen tests. They are of value. To have these com- com- comments coming from, you know, apparent experts in government, who calling them snake oil, calling them snake oil, yeah, and and this is and that this is coming from Philip Nolan, who's a physiologist, who's a self-appointed expert in areas that I don't think he has the expertise in. So we need experts on top, driving proactively, driving the country forward, and rather than the tail wagging the dog. Okay, this this is we've got we've we've got to ask backwards to be perfectly honest. Um, we've done some good things, absolutely. The Irish population has done some good things. It's good that we've, you know, got so many people vaccinated. But all the vaccines, antibody levels have dropped off. We 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 should have been boosting long times ago. So rather rather than bragging about vaccinating seven million people, tell me how many people you've given boosters to. This is what I want to hear. Okay, about but they're, they're also saying their new research from Israel suggests that the vaccine is waning quicker in older people than it is in younger people. Is that true, or is that a fact, or? Is there data to prove that? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, all vaccines don't work as well in elderly people. If you don't have, a, if you have a senescent immune system, if you don't have a good immune system, you don't make as good antibodies. If you're HIV positive and you get vaccinated, you don't respond as well. If you're a transplant patient and you're vaccinated, you don't respond as well. If you're a health, healthy person like me or a young adult, you know, you get really good antibody responses, and they last for longer. This is not unique to COVID. This is vaccinology, basic 101 vaccinology. Yeah, but, what, but what I'm hearing from you, Jack, is that 
essentially, you know, what we're doing is great, and to some degree, okay, maybe we're not reacting as quick as we should, uh, but we're doing all the right things, maybe all at the wrong time. But how long can we do this for? Because COVID-19, as you suggested at the start of the interview, like any other virus, could be around for decades and most likely will be around for decades. So can we keep living like this, reacting constantly? The world, not just Ireland, but the world. I heard the Portuguese Prime Minister yesterday suggesting they're going back into levels of restrictions. They're going to be looking for testing now for people coming from the EU on holidays. And, and he used the word, the vaccine programme was successful. Now, when he spoke, and I can't remember the exact quote, it's almost like he was talking about it in the past tense. In other words, that's done now, that's finished, that didn't work too well, let's move on to something else. In other words, are we going to keep doing this forever, what we're doing at the moment, and doing the same thing every day, hoping to get a different result? Well, like I said, we need to accept the fact that COVID is with us. It's going to be here every year, just like flu is here every year. And, and, and no, we, we can't be living in crisis all the time. We have to find a way to coexist, you know, to live safely with COVID. So right now, is what we keep on reacting. Uh, we keep on, you know, the, 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 like I said, it's a new virus. There, there's, um, we can't really predict what's going to happen in the future. But my advice really simply is let's get the top experts on top on the committee on a daily basis planning ahead, you know, reacting quickly, quicker than the virus. And, for example, um, the Pfizer vaccine wears off very quickly. The Moderna vaccine seems to be better. So let's start checking the Moderna vaccine against these new, you know, these Botswana mutants that are coming along. Mm. And then if, if they get better responses, we should be boosting with the Moderna vaccine. We should be thinking about that now, not three or four months from now. So I, I just think we, we do have to have, need to have a master plan at every level from hospitality sector to travel to school to vaccination you know, to, to all of them. Okay, well, I've got to come to vaccination and to kids in a minute, but just in relation to how we treat COVID-19 going forward in the future so we can get out of this crisis situation, there has been suggestions, of course, that Pfizer have a new treatment which will be available in February, um, which certainly seems to work in, I think, one in, or in six out of 10 cases, I think it was, it suggested that people didn't end up in hospital. And the, the data on it is really good. So that should, should work. Also, there's a study there from India, and I'm going to come back to this one because a lot of people have talked about it. Ivermectin, which was mentioned in, Italy, in India and it's in regions of Italy or India, where they don't seem to have any cases, they've been using Ivermectin. Is the jury still out on Ivermectin or is that definitely a non-runner? No, no, I, st- I still think the, 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 the data's out there on ivermectin. It's just good studies that haven't been done, you know, and that, that's the point, you know. So I think if good studies are done, I think we should continue to pursue that. But in terms of the antivirals from Pfizer and from, uh, from Merck, you know, that they, that if, if they were in the GP practices or in, in the, the centers where people were tested, as soon as you tested people, give them the tablets. It 90% reduces their chance of hospitalization that seems like a sensible solution rather than panicking about increased hospital capacity, ICU capacity. We, we could nip it in well, the bud. So, so why aren't we doing this quicker? If these, if these are being approved already by the CDC in the United States, why aren't you know, the European Centre for Disease Control and Ireland, NIAC, approving these quicker? Because, I mean, okay. look, our hospitals are stretched to the limits right now. Okay. So why aren't we approving and, them? And the reason is because the people on top are, are, are administrators. I don't think the scientists are involved. Now, you know, so, 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 and it's not, it's not, it wouldn't be NIAC. NIAC is vaccines. I mean, I, I know that last week um, a committee was formed to come up with guidelines on these new antivirals. Okay. But 
Like, why did I knew about these antivirals months ago? Why don't we have guidelines months ago? You know, UK's already using them. America's mass ordered a whole bunch of them. Ireland's formed a committee, and we'll give you an answer in three months. So, so like I said, it's 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 the whole leadership structure and decision making structure. I think for for COVID is wrong. Well, who does I, the book stop with? The Minister for Health. Well, I think the Minister of Health and and our, and our, our, our Taoiseach have to rethink the way the way things are going. You know, you know, they ask Neffet, Neffet asks for an opinion from the expert advisory group or NIAC. They form a committee. Uh, they come back. Why don't you have the experts in charge mm-hmm. rather than you know? Why don't you have them in charge making a decision on a day to day basis rather than going to them when you think you have a question? I don't think that the ex the, the, the current leadership know the questions to ask. Okay, f- finally, in relation to children, which is something we're going to be talking about when we finish talking to you today, Jack, a lot of people are concerned at the moment. Okay, children, in the last three days, we've had uh, approval from NIAC from vaccinations, uh, 5 to 12-year-olds. We've had the recommendation now from NEFID, uh, which will be announced today, that children uh, over third class in school, in other words, over sort of nine years of age, will now have to wear masks in school and all indoor settings. Um, parents have been told to cancel play dates, cancel parties, uh, cancel everything. And a lot of parents saying, hold on, children can't keep getting the blame for this. I mean, for example, and I have to say, Pat or Toby mentioned last night on Twitter that we've had four big matches in the Aviva Stadium over the last four weeks. We've got a match coming up as well this weekend, uh, which is, I am not very good at football, not very little about it, but I know there's the FAI uh, Cup on this Saturday. That's another 50,000 people. And yet Patter says we're worried about six kids and a nativity for Christmas. So is this an overreaction telling us to lock down the kids again? Well, Okay, it's not an overreaction to, to focus on the kids. They're, they're the biggest unvaccinated population. You know, that, 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 that's number one. Number two, this is not new. I mean, the, the, the government and NEFIT and public health have been saying kids don't transmit COVID. There's no evidence that numbers are increasing in the kids. This has gone back to the rhetoric in September. And, and you've, you've heard this yourself. You've seen it on television and radio. I looked at the number of cases in 12 and unders back in September. It was... 30% of cases, that the numbers then were 25,000 in a two-week two period. Back in the springtime, there was 5,000 cases in a two-week period, only 6% kids. So, yes, the numbers have been increasing in kids since, since September, and those kids are going to school, not wearing masks, you know, not hand-washing, not, not in safe facilities with, with good, you know, hygiene and good ventilation in the schools. So the kids have been transmitting all along and bringing it home Oh, but we've been getting the rhetoric, kids don't transmit COVID. And all of a sudden, here we are in November, and people, they've turned around and says, oh, yeah, we never said that. Kids do transmit COVID. So we do need to have a plan um, because cause, cause kids are transmitting COVID, and it's having a huge impact. So we do need to keep the schools open. But isn't there a Absolutely. limit to what we can do to young children? I mean, firstly, let's talk about the masks. Uh, at the moment, if you're over 12 years of age or secondary school, you have to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. But kids under that age don't have to. And the mm-hmm. reason we do that is because that we believe that will have an impact, I suppose, socially on children because they can't see the expressions on faces, which is very important to them, uh, to their learning, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, maybe it's not, it's probably a little bit more difficult to keep them in line and keep masks on them. And a lot of people just don't agree with the idea of, you know, putting a mask on children. Look, we've had to deal with all sorts of viruses throughout the years, coughs, colds, and kids generally are the carriers of all these things. We see them with their little snouty noses. So is it not just a case of having to just deal with that? Right. Well, but, but there's, there's ways to deal with it. So, so absolutely, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want my child, my six-year-old child, sitting in class all day with a mask on. But 
would, would I would I put a mask on my child if I took him on a public transportation so he wouldn't infect other people? I think that's quite reasonable. Would I not have him, you know, do, do take certain precautions? So it's not an all or nothing thing. Okay. I, every kid wear masks. So I, I do think there are solutions, COVID mitigation strategies, vaccinations, plans for kids, because cause they, cause they are the highest population just now. And that's that's impact- the final question, Jack, just before you go. And I'm sorry I'm a bit rushed for time. But, of course, NIAC have now announced that vaccinations will be available for children between 5 and 12 years of age. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. we know they're not at risk personally themselves. Uh, we know the, you know, the, 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 the vaccine does have some side effects. Uh, and just to point out to people, it's a very safe vaccine, but there's always going to be a side effect to a vaccine, or there can be side effects. I mean, do really, and, and this is obviously a diluted version of the vaccine that those children mm-hmm. will get. Mm-hmm. So do, I mean, does the benefits really outweigh the risk when it comes to children? And let me ask you a personal question. If it was your children, Jack, at seven years of age, would you get them vaccinated? Absolutely. So, so we've, got, we've got guidance to give flu vaccines to, for everybody five and older. We don't question that, you know. And then, and, and, but we mentioned giving COVID vaccines to kids. We question it. So, so my 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 son, who's now thirty, I enrolled in the Haemophilus influenza. It's a vaccine to prevent meningitis. Back when he was twelve months of age, a long time ago. So, vaccines work, and and I'm I'm strongly supportive of vaccines. And I think vaccines in kids are part of the solution. And I would and I would encourage you know families to think seriously about, about, about doing this. Don't separate COVID vaccines from influenza vaccines, from meningitis vaccines. They, they're, they're all doing the same thing. Uh, COVID vaccines have become so politicized um, and I, I think we should just get away from the political innovation and look at the science. Mm, okay, so your advice to parents out there would be consider it and you check it out for yourself, get the information, because, of course, parents are concerned. And I've spoken to many parents of the year who are not anti-vaxxers. They've had their own vaccines. They've got all their vaccines. Their children have had all the vaccines, but they still have a, a little bit of concern. And, and that's understandable as a parent, isn't yeah, it? I understand. But that's, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying I would do it. And I'm saying that it should be voluntary. But I think, I think if you look at the, the big risk-benefit ratio... It's really supportive of, of, of vaccines as part of the solution on top of all the other COVID mitigation strategies. Listen, thank you very much, Dean. I appreciate you coming on the air today. Professor Jack Lambert, UCD School of Medicine. Now, um, when I'm finished talking to Professor Jack, obviously I want to talk to you because many people out there are concerned about the fact that we are now limiting children's activities over the next few weeks. Um, Neffet will make an announcement today, although they've already said it, that they want you not to have children's play dates not to have children's parties, not to have nativity plays, not to have sleepovers, and obviously the recommendation is to get your child between 5 and 12 years of age vaccinated. But let's stay away from the vaccinations for the second and get back to, uh, they've also mentioned masks for children in school uh, over third class or over nine years of age in public transport, in shops, etc., etc. I mean, how has this affected you? And maybe this Christmas you had a few plans, maybe you had a party for the kids or maybe you were having a nativity play or whatever it is. And I know a lot of things are going to get cancelled. There does seem to be a contradiction. And I did bring it up with Jack a few minutes ago that we've had football matches in the country with 50,000, 60,000 people at them over the last few weeks and we're going to have another one on Sunday. And yet, and none of them are going to be wearing masks. You're well aware of that. If I'm sure if you watch the matches, nobody will be wearing masks. Very few of them anyway. And yet, you know, we're concerned about, you know, six or seven kids at a play date or a party. And I understand why people think this is all hypocritical. But are you going to take those precautions? Will you be reducing the activities for your children? Will you be putting a mask on your child indoor in a shop? Let me know what you think. The number is 87 
Is it the sensible thing to do? It was interesting, of course, contrary to everything I've been listening today to what Professor Jack Lambert has said, and he is an expert in this field of infectious diseases, uh, that, you know, we're reacting to this new news of a new variant from South Africa and that obviously the Justice Minister said today now they're thinking of bringing back in mandatory hotel quarantine for certain countries or wherever this will be, this new variant. And he said it's complete overreaction. And he's probably right. I mean, look, we had the Delta variant, the Kent variant, the Alpha variant before that, and it was all panic stations, and let's stop it from coming into Ireland. Sure, it still got here. It doesn't make any difference what you do. It's going to get here anyway. And the point is, he said, we should be proactive and not reactive. In other words, dealing with it. And we should have those medicines which are available. They've already been ordered in America. Uh, These are antiviral tablets, which can basically cure COVID. Uh, If you get COVID and take them within three days, they reduce the possibility of you ever ending up in hospital. But, you know, as he rightly pointed out, the Irish government, typically, what they do is they'll set up a committee who'll set up another committee, who'll get an advisory committee, who'll get some experts to take about six weeks to decide what we're going to do. Instead of actually getting the experts to make the decision straight away, this is what we need to do. But this is Ireland. Uh, let me go to Karen. Karen, you're an Ireland's classic kid. How are you doing, Karen? Hi, Niall. Now, Karen... I mean, look, the government's advice now is that, you know, children should be, their activities should be reduced. No parties, no play dates, no sleepovers. Mm. Um, And again, I suppose a lot of parents think children are going to be the victims here or the blame for what's going on. You yourself have a circumstance where your child is a transplant patient. First of all, tell us us what happened to him or how he ended up in that situation. Um, Basically, he was born with no immune system. Um, So in the bone marrow, your bone marrow makes up. There's, there's your white blood cells and then there's called your neutrophils and your neutrophils fight off infection. He was born with no neutrophils. Okay. Um, so in order to... The hospital tried loads of different t- things, different drugs that are supposed to kind of increase your neutrophil count um, and none of that worked um, and the only kind of last resort was a bone marrow transplant um, which he had done in Crumlin just before his first birthday. Um, his birthday is the 18th of December. Okay. Um so we spent the first two Christmases in hospital. Um, unfortunately, the first transplant didn't work. It failed. And then he had a second transplant just after his second birthday. And so far, so good with that one. Um, that must have been a very difficult time for you and the family as well. Very it was, time, yeah, yeah. Between his birthday and Christmas and been in hospital for such a long time. And, yeah. Um, you know, it was, you know, his chances of survival was 25%. Right. To have him here is just a miracle. Oh, that's wonderful. That's science. wonderful. Yeah. Um, and, and I know, know Crumlin Hospital is such an amazing place where they do this wonderful work. Yeah. And we're in and out of there all the time still for different appointments and stuff. And they're fantastic. I mean, he goes in and, you know, I'm at the front desk. And, you know, they're fantastic. Um, they really, really are. And Temple Street, we will be in there as well. And I, I can't fault them. They're just, they're fantastic. And he's a trooper himself. He takes it all in his stride. Um, how, old is he, how old is he now, by the way? He's going to be eight in December. Okay, and has, you know, this restricted his life very much? I mean, it, does he have to be extra careful or how? Um, no, um, because he's so many years post-transplant now. Okay. Um, no, his consultants would feel that if he were to get COVID, he would manage it like any other child, which is good. great. That's good. Um, and we've had COVID in the house myself and my husband had it and the children very well had it. Um, they were tested, their tests were negative, but that's not to say afterwards they didn't test positive. Um, yeah. we did all the isolation and all that but you know he's out of everyone in the house here he's the one who's always well um, you know and he'd be on different antibiotics anyway um, okay. for the rest of his life for that okay. um, but yeah so life has been fairly normal you know in that 
I'm almost That's good. I mean, when you, when, anyway. you think, when you think back to when he was one or two years of age, exactly, I, I'm sure yeah, you would have never thought you would be at this point no, now. No, we never yeah. thought we, we, we never thought he'd be in school because we thought we'd maybe have to homeschool him. And then even the transplant at the time, we had no other kids. So we had to go to the bone marrow registry to, for him to have a transplant to find a donor. Um, and we were extremely lucky to have two Irish donors. We don't know who those men were. Um, and it's, it's rare to get an Irish donor as well. They generally come from Germany or places like that because okay. once you join the army, you're automatically on the register. Um, so to have two Irish donors is extremely lucky. Um, well, it's so we were very, very lucky. Modern medicine is amazing and I'm it's sure fantastic. you're much appreciative oh, of how I he is now. I really, really am. Yeah. I really am. And look, I can't fault the health service when it comes to him because anything he's needed, he's gotten. Um, yeah. And nothing's ever been a problem. Um However, so, so however, <laughs> here we are in a situation where you know obviously he has a level of normal life now, mm, and yeah. unfortunately over the last year and a half his life has been restricted not by his illness but by yeah. policy. Yeah, and look, we've done isolation. We've done it for three years before anyone ever heard of isolation or COVID or any of that. So I know what isolation is like. Yeah. Um, I know what it's like to not be able to go to the supermarket or not to, to be able to have people over to your house or to have to have people wash their hands before they come into my house. I know what all that's like before COVID. Ever even, we, any of us ever heard about it. So I've lived it before. Yeah. Um, but now it, it's kind of really hit home because it has affected us in that um, he was due to have a party through Make-A-Wish. Okay. Um, so kids with um, long-term illnesses um, or illnesses that are going to um, end their life soon, the Make-A-Wish is a charity that it was set up to grant anything a child wishes for. We, we, so we, we actually had raised a lot of money last year for, for Make-A-Wish, yeah. I think the year before as well, because they're a yeah. wonderful organisation who make dreams come true they're for fantastic. very sick children. Yeah, amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, they're fantastic. And I, you know, they're great. Um, and I can't fault them. Um, but unfortunately, through no fault of Make-A-Wish, his wish has been cancelled because of COVID. Because kids, all he wants is a party with all of his friends for his birthday. And now he can't have that. Now, the only thing I'm thankful for is that I never told him it was granted. I never told him anything about it. Okay. Um, I never told him there was a party happening or anything. So, so it was going to be a surprise anyway. It was going to be a surprise, yeah. Uh, we were okay. going to get to the venue and it was going to be a big surprise and all his friends would be there and he wanted a specific team at the party. Yeah. And, you know... I'm so I was so excited about it, and I'm an adult, and I understand. I am, I'm sick. I am so sick, and I'm so upset because um, kids, you know, they shouldn't be put back on kids. They've missed enough already. But for my little boy, he's missed the first three years of his life, and now he's not getting his party, and he deserves that so so much. Yeah, he does. He does. And I'm just, you know, Neffet are saying kids are not passing this on. So why are they doing this to kids? Yeah. You know, why can't they be proactive? Why is the vaccination not here for kids yet? You know, it's a safe vaccine. Their kids are, I see kids in America getting it. With the same they've been, they've been getting it for has. months, if that's the, if that's the choice you want to make. Yeah, yeah. They've been getting it for months. Um, I just think it is so unfair. It's so heartbreaking on kids. Uh, my kids don't understand the severity or the extent of this. And I'm in no way knocking... The fact that COVID is a real thing, I get that. I've seen the people who are in ICU. My own family members have ended up in ICU. Thankfully, they're fine. But it's, this is kids need to live. Kids need to be kids. Kids shouldn't be going into school with masks on. School is supposed to be a happy place for kids. 
and it's 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 just not okay anymore what they're doing to kids i'm just i am i'm so over it i'm so fed up with it and this is just sort of the last straw for me and you and i can feel your pain because you you've been through this before anybody else as you said in the country has been through isolation you've been through all this yeah. And, and you thought, okay, thankfully this has worked now. His transplant has worked. He has a level of normality now. And yeah. now you're back in it again through no fault of his or yours. You're back, yeah. you're back in it again. And, yeah. then, and then just when you think, okay, things are grand again now, maybe my child can actually get to enjoy life like every other child and have a party and make yeah. a wish we're doing this wonderful thing for him and all of a sudden it's cancelled again. So when, yeah. when did you get that phone call? Yesterday, was it? Today. 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 Yeah, earlier this morning. And look, I was expecting it. I, I'm under no illusion of what's going on, you know. So when you heard Neffet yesterday the so when, day before, yeah. Yeah, I, I was waiting for the phone call and um, the girl that I'm dealing with through Make-A-Wish rang me today and I could hear it in her that she was heartbroken ringing me and I said, look, it's fine. I, I've accepted the phone call and I, I didn't so want them fault. to apologise yeah. because it's not their fault. They All they can do is follow the guidelines and I completely understand that. Um, but I, I just think it's so unfair on kids Mm-hmm. You know, and, and teenagers as well in secondary school. I mean, just let them live. Nefit are saying that this kids are not passing this on. So what is the problem? Why aren't the kids really been in well, well, the, now? Yeah, the, the words that Nefit was saying that was that schools are a safe place, and that's the, what they've been saying quite practically all along. And yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong; there is a level of transmission from children, and Absolutely. that's a shadow of a doubt. But yes. I'm saying that your point is, look, sure, America have had vaccination for kids for years, or for months, yes. I say, for months. Yes. And why don't they have it over here? Why are they taking so long to react over here? And this is yes. the point we made to Jack Lambert, the professor who was on a few minutes ago as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm really sorry, Con, I can hear how upset you are because, you know, oh, look, you, you really just really am, wanted this for him. I know you wanted it's this for him. It's not the end of the world. He will have this party in the near year, whenever that might be. It will go ahead at some point, and I know Make-A-Wish will guarantee that. But it's just, it was something to look forward to for his birthday. We tend to just go a bit mad when it comes to Christmas and, and his birthday particularly because yeah. of what he's been through previously. Yeah. Um, you know, he's all excited for the toy show. And it's just, it's a lovely, lovely time when we try and make it that extra bit special. Um, unfortunately, going to see Santa is not an option this year because COVID. Yeah. Um, and I'm just, you know, when is this going to end? Grant, if, I, I'm just sick of the bits of restrictions you know yeah. can't have kids parties but we can all go to a wedding or we can all head to the pub if we want or you can go to a match of 50,000 people on or Saturday or we can he- go to a match or we'll all be heading to Garth Brooks in a few months COVID's not going to be gone anywhere mm-hmm. like so why can't he have a little party with a load of his pals in a big room that's ventilated I don't see the issue you're sitting at a table with the same kids that are probably coming to your house I for play date. I mean, I can't, I can't disagree with you, Karen, because I can see no sense in that. I, I understand the point Neville is making, but I see no sense. I see a complete contradiction in what you're saying. In other words, mm-hmm. it, you know, you've got these football matches, you've got, you know, bars, restaurants, everything all open. All your child wants to do is have a little party with a few of his pals. That's all. That's, uh, at this point, I'm, I feel like, you know, just lock us all down. Because I can't do this, you know, bit here and bit there, and let's try and see what works. And then we get everyone vaccinated. Oh, that didn't work either. But that's, but I, we can't, we can't just, keep doing the same thing expecting a different result. I'm just so sick and tired of it. I am sick to my teeth of it. I really, really am. And today is just the last straw. And I certainly will still have kids that want to come over and play, play. I will not be going down the route of that if it comes for the age group of my kids. 
I won't be sending them to school with a mask on. And if they can't go to school because I'm not putting a mask on, well, that's fine. I won't send them to school. I've heard a lot I'm of people, well, I've heard a lot of people say, well, and in that. fairness to Professor Jack Lambert, who is, you know, he obviously he knows a lot about infectious diseases because that's what he studies, um, and he's been studying for all his life, and he said he wouldn't, if he had a six-year-old, he wouldn't have them wear a mask in school either. No, no. And I will have them vaccinated. When the vaccination, the vaccine ever comes for them, you know, they all got their flu vaccines. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm under no illusion of COVID been a real thing. I'm, you know... But just, just, there's a limit to you how much you want to restrict your children's lives. That's exactly. Like they, kids just shouldn't be restricted. Just let them be kids. Stay there just for a second because Ruth, you're already. Yeah, stay there, Karen, just for a second. Ruth, you're in Ireland's classic kids. Ruth, you've been listening to Karen there. I have, yeah, and I agree with her completely. Oh, I'm broken hearted listening to it. Yeah, <laughs> it's so sad. I mean, the kids have suffered so much already. Now, if I was Karen, I'd just go ahead and have that party because that's what the government have done all this time. They've done what they want to do. Well, see, it's not up to Karen. It's up to make a wish. We're organised. Yeah, I hate Sorry, yeah. I'll follow their guidelines, you know, and and that's what I'll do. Yeah, Um, I got distracted there, yeah. I will still have something for his day. Uh, You know, it won't be a party, but, you know, we'll still mark his day and it'll be a very special one. Um, I'm just gutted that because of government, make a wish, don't have a choice. But, yeah. But you, you have two kids, Ruth, yourself, 11 yeah, and 9 years of age. Boys, yeah, I nine, and um, I won't be masking them. And I, um, I definitely, if the school brings it in, I will, I'll fight it. And then if, if all else fails, I'll homeschool them. That doesn't work. I have a mortgage to pay too. But, you know, like their priority is, their health is my priority. I really feel if you're breathing something out of your body, then obviously it's for a reason. It's not to be taken straight back into your body again. Do you know what I mean? You're exhaling something, exhaling. So Okay, and that, you know, that's your reason for not wanting them to wear masks. Yeah, well, yeah. plus they're already socially excluded in school because they're not allowed to even mix with other classes within their the Yeah, there is, there is quite a few restrictions already oh, in the schools. They're very restrictive. They're like yep. a little military camp. Mm. You know, mm. it, yeah. it, it feels like a military camp. They're not even enjoying it. They, they have a certain area they're allowed to play in. They're not allowed past the lines. They're in lines. Like, they're in little boxed mm. lines. It's ridiculous already. Yeah, I know, I know it's quite restrictive for many parents. And I know a lot of other parents in, in Galway here who will do the same thing. They will take them out of school. No problem. Yeah. It, it is difficult, you know, and it, I mean, the people who have to make decisions, I suppose, in the country in relation to COVID-19 are making, I'm not doubting they're making difficult decisions. Um, I don't think this is a decision parents are going to take very lightly. Um, yeah, I don't think so. I mean, either. it was bad enough, I suppose, initially when, par- when parents had to make a decision to put masks on 12-year-olds uh-huh. and, up, and upwards in secondary school. But I suppose my argument, and I mentioned last night on Twitter, they're big boys and girls, they can deal with it a bit better. I think younger kids will find it more difficult. They are, and, and they're, they're, you're building their confidence and everything at this age. Well, obviously, that's always being built, but it's just, it's a confidence, it's, it's just killing. It's... It's just not good for them. Okay, will, will you them. be taking the recommendation from NEFID, which they will officially give today, although it's already been leaked and it's been out just since yesterday, which is to reduce all social contacts with children? Not a notion. They're already reduced. Not a notion. I won't be doing any of that. Okay. And I know family members who won't be doing that either, and friends. No way. I mean, obviously, you will take a level of responsibility, and you'll be well, responsible about things. Well, I have. I've taken things. a level of responsibility yeah. this whole time. Um, we haven't gotten COVID or anything. We've been careful. But um, no, not anymore. I'm not taking any more of this. No way. It's time to stand up. It's time to stand up for the kids. This is the sword I will die on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Okay. All right. Listen, thank you very much indeed, Ruth. And I appreciate Thanks, you going on the air. Okay. Uh, very sad. Listen to Karen. A lot of people texting in about Karen. What's not going to do anything to help her? Uh, poor Karen. She's distraught. Absolutely. But I mean, look, any parent would be in that situation, particularly if you a child who's gone through so much in their life and literally has lived COVID before any of us lived it because they've lived in isolation with their child who needed a transplant, a bone marrow transplant for his immune system when he was very young. So she's gone through all of that and she's not going to go through it again. That's what she's saying. She's already done it. She's done it for two years now with COVID with him as well. And she's just had enough. She said, I can't keep restricting his life like this. And I get that. I understand that. Maybe you don't. Uh, the number is 87 A lot of reaction from parents texting in, by the way, in relation to children with masks, by the way, under the age of uh, 12, between uh, Tony Holohan has said, any child over third class, uh, over nine years of age. Let me know what you think. The number is 87 All right, keep texting, keep WhatsApping. Number is 87 I want to get to Pat and Declan just before the end. I've only got about four minutes. But Pat, just let me go to you first. Uh, Pat, you said basically you're giving out that if Ruth doesn't let the children wear masks, well, then she can't complain afterwards if they get COVID. Is that the point you're making? Yeah, and if they spread it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, you, you, can't, you can't complain about it. If, I, I disagree with Gareth Brooks and all that thing. I disagree with that. What, but, like the football matches and the big stadiums yeah, exactly. full? And... It, it, I, I was at the All-Ireland this year and there, there were very few people wearing masks and they were told to wear them. Mm-hmm. And I had, to, I had to call one guy who came in and sat down beside me in a prohibited seat and tell him, you're not wearing a mask. I don't want to sit beside you. Yeah, but when I, no. see, when I see a picture at a big match and I see government ministers who are out promoting uh, social distancing and everything else, and I see them in the crowd with no masks, cheering with everybody else, it's kind of hard to tell everybody else then to do it, isn't yeah, it? I know, yeah, but, 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 but that's wrong. It, what they're doing is wrong. But it doesn't make taking your child out of school and not asking them to wear a mask and not allowing them to wear a mask, it doesn't make that right. See, a lot, a lot of people will say, well, the benefits, you know, outweigh the risk. That, that's the way they look yeah. at it, right? And, and we know, let's be clear, we know that children are not a great risk of COVID-19. Uh, yes, they they, well, they, it's very little risk. Let's be clear about well, it. Well, that's... We'll, we'll have to agree to differ on well, that. No, well, no, no, we yeah. don't have to. No, with the greatest respect, Pat, we don't have to agree to differ. We, the scientific evidence is there that very few children have died of COVID-19. You're more likely to die of anything else but COVID-19 if you're a child. And that's just a fact. So from that I, point of view, I, I but I understand, I understand the point you're making about spreading it and, and spreading it to older people. I think that's what your concern is, isn't it? Yes. And also, the other point I was making to your, your reception is was. The so-called expert on viruses that was on there, several the times he mentioned that... So-called expert? He's one of the best. He's right, the head okay, of infectious well, diseases. Well, right, whatever okay. it is, you never asked him this, this, this strategic question, who are the experts that you would put in charge of all of this? Name, name the people you want in there on Netflix and everywhere else to advise the government. You never asked him that difficult question. Well, well if, he, if he has an alternative... Let him come out and name the people like that. You see, everybody in this thing has an opinion, and I have an opinion as well. But I, I am quite willing to listen to people who have spent years, including that virus guy, I have a lot of respect for a lot of what he said. But don't come on and say the people who are doing it, they should be experts there instead of them, when we're not naming who the experts are. Okay, okay. Oh, well, hang on a second. I want to go to Declan as well very quickly. Declan, you're in Ireland's Classic Hits. Pat says you've no one but yourself to blame if you don't change your habits, basically, Declan. I think, I think Pat has chronophobia, and he's suffering from high anxiety. Uh, no disrespect. To, but these measures, 
that have been introduced in a fashion which does not sit well with me. Now, I'm, I'm not going to mask my 11-year-old daughter. I have been vaccinated, and now we're being asked to take a booster, which will probably have a three- to six-month effectiveness. I mean, if a parent wants to mask their child to assist with their personal anxiety as a coping mechanism, then go ahead, but don't ever try and force me to do it, right? Masks become contaminated over time, so they need to be changed after every four hours. So, you know, that's a, there's a higher risk masking a child more than unmasking a child. So, I mean, there's the, the mental torture side of things as well. I mean, these are children we're talking about here. So, yeah, it's a big no for me. Uh, okay, in relation to changing your ch- children's habits before Christmas, play dates, parties, no. going out. No. no, you won't be changing no, your no, habits. No, because look, I mean... Pat, Pat will tell you that's irresponsible. Together now, some of us have bigger boats, right? Mm. I mean, thanks to growth and confidence, you know, the HSC was already a basket case for COVID-19. Well, I think we with that, money yes. Poured into the bottomless pit. I mean, if we had a productive and well-run HSC, would all these silly measures be introduced, right? Ministers, by the way, right, who gave themselves pay increases during the height of this pandemic while pulling pulling a salary two years on, right, full pay. I mean, they had two years to get it together and have failed miserably. I mean, there's over 5,000 healthcare workers out of work taking things. They should focus five, on 5, that. 5,106 today, actually. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Where, where, where are they? I mean, this, this directive is coming from a group who told us we must have a nine-euro meal in order to enjoy a pint in the pub. And we are far too, we're becoming far too tolerant now, accepting like, Okay, but, but, but do you accept what Pat says, that if, if you don't want your kids, you know, to wear a mask in school, if you don't want your kids to change their habits, well, then you've no one to complain to but yourself. If, you know, one of the patches COVID. That's the risk I'm prepared to take. Look, I'm, you know, the Hooligan is not ideally placed to preach to the nation due to his disastrous role he played in relation to the cervical smear scandal, right? So I'm not going to listen to him, full stop. Okay, listen, I've run out of time. Uh, Pat, I'll give you last last thing you want to say there very quickly. I, I think it's irresponsible uh, to get your kids to wear masks, not to prevent the spread of the virus. It's totally irresponsible, in my okay. opinion. Okay, thank you very much indeed, Pat. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hit.